now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketchpad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 238. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views, and reviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading, and for you first-time listeners, we're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au, and we bring you this show this week from Barcelona. We are at the Mobile World Congress. This is the annual event where all the major smartphone manufacturers, networks, and content creators gather to outline all their new products and services that we're going to see in the years ahead. Plenty to talk about. There's all, all the major companies like Huawei, Samsung, BlackBerry, uh, LG, Telstra, uh, Nokia. They're all here, and they've all got some new products to talk about, and we've been covering it here while we've been in sunny Barcelona. Uh, we also want to give a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the, the Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to talk about here from Barcelona, so let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Well, Huawei is uh, one of the leading manufacturers here at the show because Samsung and Apple, well, Apple aren't here at all. Samsung were not announcing any new smartphones. So the air was pretty clear for Huawei to launch their new P10, which they did in a, an amazing blaze of color. That event, there was uh, so many people trying to get into the venue. There was actually some media that were actually locked out. They couldn't get in and to, to sit down. They were oversubscribed. That's how popular the Huawei event was. What they unveiled was the P10 smartphone and also the P10 Plus. Not sure if the P10 Plus, which has a 5.5-inch screen, is going to make it to Australia, but the P10, which has a 5.1-inch screen, will definitely be making it to our shore. This is a significant update from the, the P9 that Huawei unveiled a year ago. It's had a bit of a design tweak. It's got slightly more curved edges. It still has that dual lens camera, and that's developed in association with Leica. So they've really enhanced not only the lens quality, but also the features and, and how, how easily you can take some incredible photographs. We'll chat about that in a minute, but we should talk about the amount of colors. There are eight colors in the range. We're talking white, gold, uh, prestige gold, graphite black, rose gold, mystic silver, and two additional colors, dazzling blue and greenery. Now, this device has a four, is, is one of the first devices, actually, to have 4.5G 
LTE connectivity. So it's going to be pretty fast on those newer networks. But that dual lens camera, the two lenses are actually flush to the back of the device so they don't actually stick out. They actually work together to create a more detailed and accurate image. So there's one monochrome 20 megapixel lens sensor and a 12 megapixel color sensor and they both combine to create a lot of detail and natural colors. But the, what, what, what's impressed me with the P10 this year here in Barcelona are all the new photography features. The, 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 the catch line from the press conference was that you can make every shot look like a cover shot. So in other words, all these features come together. So it's kind of a foolproof uh, process where you can take fantastic images. Part, some of the new photographic features includes 3D facial detection. So you get more accurate recognition and, of course, better selfies. There's also hybrid zoom, so you can focus on various areas of the photograph. Embedded ISP for real-time depth of field shots. Dynamic illumination. And that what that does is tracks lighting changes and adjusts the exposure and shutter speed so you can still take a good photo. There's also a feature called studio-like portrait enhancements. And what this does, it uses an algorithm to recognize face shapes and skin types to adjust the type of shot that it takes so that the, the result is a lot more natural. So if you're into the photography is also obviously a big focus for Huawei with this device and it does take remarkable pictures. So I am going to, I do have a device that I'll be using in Barcelona for my testing and I'll be really keen to see the results, which I'll also of course share at Tech Guide. But the, uh, the, other, the other thing, the other changes that we saw with the P10 was the home button. Now, on, on last year's model, it was a virtual home button, the P9, and the fingerprint reader was on the back. Well, now th- that, that's been changed because there's a new redesigned home button on the front under the screen, which acts both as a fingerprint reader and also a little mini trackpad. So you can scroll and go side to side with it as well. So that's the biggest change from last year's model. Under the hood, you've got a, an octa-core processor made by Huawei, the Kirin 960 processor. And what is, what's also included is this interesting ultra-memory feature. This is a machine learning algorithm. So what it does, it learns how you use your phone, what apps and things that you like best, and it loads them even faster. So it gets to know you. It's also got an updated uh, user interface called EMUI 5.1. That's short for Emotion User Interface. It's also that that's running on top of Android 7.1. On the battery side, now this is this has been a big improvement. The P10 which has a 32 milliamp hour battery, they say will go for up to 1.87 days. So that's nearly two day battery life with the larger P10 Plus, which has got 3750 milliamp hours, that could go up to two days. So uh, Huawei, of course, showed some results testing against the Galaxy S7 and the iPhone 7 Plus and the iPhone 7. And naturally their results came out on top. So that they are Huawei's tests, of course. But it'd be interesting to see how this will perform. They've also got fast charging as well, so uh, you can get a pretty quick charge in not much time at all. It's also water resistant. It's got an IP67 rating. On the design side, though, it, it is uh, they've done a good job in fitting a larger screen into a smaller space. And with that, because they've got hardly any bezel on either side of the screen, they can fit the, that larger screen into a smaller body. To give you an example, the P10, the P10 Plus, 
which has a 5.5-inch screen, same as the iPhone 7, yet the, I, the, yet the P10 Plus is shorter and narrower than the iPhone 7. So they've managed to fit the same size screen into a much smaller device. So really interesting. I think that the colours are really interesting. Hopefully they'll all come to Australia. The, the, the design of the, 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 the product itself, the whole package has really given Huawei a product that's really going to be snapping at the heels of Apple and Samsung, who are the, the two top two smartphone manufacturers, followed by Huawei, which is number three. And as I said, there's no Apple here at the conference. Samsung didn't announce any new smartphones. So Huawei had the stage kind of all to themselves for the for the pre-Mobile World Congress press days. So really interesting to see. I will have a hands-on of the P10 in the coming days at Tech Guide. So if you want to read about the P10 and check out all those amazing colors, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Well, next up, speaking of Samsung, as I said, they weren't here to launch any phones. That's what they did last year. A year ago, they launched the S7 and S7 Edge, and it was uh, the, the, the stars of the show. This time out, after the Note 7 issues and and after the their whole uh, investigation into the batteries, which they they touched on again at the start of their press conference. They went through and they kind of did the, yes, we did our investigation. They went through that whole rigmarole again just to prove to customers and the world media that they've learnt their lesson, their batteries are safe now, and they're ready to move on. They got that out the way right at the start of the press conference. But as I said, there were no phones to announce at, at Mobile World Congress this time around. Instead, the focus was on tablets, and that Samsung announced two new tablets, the first being the Galaxy Tab S3 and the other, the Galaxy Book. Now, the Galaxy Tab S3 has got a 9.7-inch Super AMOLED screen, and it's running Android. Now, this is that super thin, I think it's only 6 millimeters thick, Super AMOLED display. It comes with an S Pen. Also, is a HDR compatible. As is the Galaxy Book. I should I should uh, should include as well. The, the Galaxy Book also comes with the S Pen. Is also HDR compatible. Also has a feature called Samsung Flow, which if you've got a Samsung device, a smartphone, if you receive a call or any kind of notification, you can, it can come through onto the tablet as well. So you don't even have to touch your phone if you do uh, if you do need to do anything there in, t- in terms of replying to text messages and looking at your notifications. Both tablets also have a 13 megapixel rear camera and a five megapixel front camera. Now, both of these are designed, they're they're pretty powerful products and they're designed to give you a powerful mobile computing experience. So if you're on the go, uh, you can still be quite productive, even though you don't want to lug around a laptop, having the Galaxy Tab S3 or the Galaxy Book allows you to stay productive. So for your, your road warriors, and people who just don't want to be weighed down with a laptop, these devices go pretty well. The Galaxy Book runs Windows 10 and is kind of a continuation from the Tab Pro S, which was launched last year. This this has got it's available in two sizes: a 10.6 inch screen and a 12 inch screen. Both weigh less than a kilo, 640 grams. The 10.6 inch version is, and 754 grams for the 12 inch. And they've got that handy two in one form factor, so you can use it as a tablet. It comes with it included. It comes with a keyboard cover, so it attaches magnetically, and then you can use it 
as a laptop if you want to. And it's even the keys on the on the on the key cover are backlit, really nicely spaced, so a very comfortable typing experience that you're going to get. So both of those tablets that we, we were expecting to see these, and uh, the, the 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 they're going to be released in the coming months. The the devices the the Tab S three is uh, the nine point seven inch model does include the S Pen as I said. Galaxy Book also includes the S Pen as well, and you'll also get the keyboard cover with the Galaxy Book if you decide to go that way. The uh, the de- the devices pretty cool I think they're pretty sleek and typical of Samsung design. If you want to check them out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Next up, well, this is one of the more interesting stories of the show, and it's BlackBerry. BlackBerry, we did see a, a hint of what was to come at the Consumer Electronics Show. BlackBerry announced they were going to release a device that was not only that, that not only had a touch screen, but also the trademark BlackBerry physical keyboard. And that has materialized here at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, the BlackBerry key one smartphone now to explain how blackberry got into the smartphone business they did a deal tcl communications which is the global manufacturer of a brand like alcatel they actually formed a partnership with blackberry to create this new device so they've taken the manufacturing smarts of tcl and alcatel and BlackBerry have brought to the table their own technology, like the physical keyboard, their very, very, the iconic security of the device that was really important. So the, the BlackBerry, the people who are fans of BlackBerry and the companies and corporations and the governments that even use BlackBerry, that was one of the main reasons. Apart from it being a great email device and having that great keyboard, it was the security that really sold that device for those users. Well, it is back with this new version. It is running Android. It's got a 4.5-inch screen, but despite Android and the, the it not being the most secure operating system out there, it still has this BlackBerry security as its backbone, and it is the most secure Android device that you can buy. That is guaranteed. I think BlackBerry, that is one of the key messages from uh, their press conference, was that their, their trademark security is back with the BlackBerry Key 1. But let's take a look at some of the features. As I said, it's got a 4.5-inch touchscreen display with a resolution of 1620 by 1080. And it's got a 3 by 2 aspect ratio. So the shape of the phone, it doesn't look... It's about the same size as a a 5.5-inch regular smartphone. But instead of the bottom half of the phone being taken up with a keyboard, but being taken up by screen, there is this physical keyboard, and above it is that 4.5-inch touchscreen. So you can interact with the screen as you would, but the keyboard, apart from it being a great typing experience, that keyboard is also a trackpad. So you can scroll web pages up and down, side to side, and your fingers aren't getting in the way of the screen. So you can you can be scrolling uh, from, through the website using the physical keyboard, and your screen is clear, so your hands are, are nowhere near it. So that, that, that's a great new feature. What the, what the keyboard also offers is shortcuts to various apps or commands. So what you can do, you can set up up to 52 
shortcuts. So that, that assigns every letter of the alphabet with either you can have a short press or a long press command. So if you want to use the letter J, for example, twice, you can have a short press J. So that sends an email or a message to, to someone whose name starts with J. Or you can have a long press J and it might open an app that you that starts with J. Or you might program I to open up Instagram or M to take you to mail, those sorts of things. Or W will open the weather app. That is a really cool feature that's going to save a lot of time because you can dive right into the apps that you want. If you you might send an, an email every day to a certain person, you can assign a letter to open up a start a new email addressed to that person. So that saves you a little bit of time as well. We got our hands on the BlackBerry Key One as well, and I have to say the typing on it. If you if you've ever used a BlackBerry, it's going to be like Back to the Future because you, 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 the memories is going to come back, and the muscle memory is going to be there, and you're going to think, "Wow, where has this been all my life?" For new users, I've got a little theory. I think that maybe millennials may embrace this device because you think about how millennials use their devices. No one calls anyone. They're texting like mad. They're updating social media like mad. There's a lot of typing going on. It may attract that user who, once they discover the physical keyboard and how quick and accurate it can be, it may attract a younger user. But in terms of older BlackBerry users, I think they may give this a try. And one of the, the, one of the best features, though, is the price. It's priced at $799 which when compared to some of the other products on the market, you're looking at products from Huawei and Sony and HTC, Oppo, they're up around that price and even higher. So you're getting a BlackBerry, a brand new device with all this new technology, a brand name that people that was, was massive back in the day that's making a comeback now. I think it may attract some users who want to, to for old time's sake, go back to using the BlackBerry that they knew and loved the BlackBerry Key One. It's going to go on sale globally in April. So we should see it in hopefully late April, maybe even May in Australia. 799 I think that's a pretty reasonable price as well. But if you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. We live in a world where our connected devices have become an indispensable tool in our lives. Introducing the Netgear Nighthawk X10 Smart Wi-Fi Router. Built using the latest in Wi-Fi technology, the X10 allows users to get faster Wi-Fi speeds on multiple devices simultaneously and is perfect for 4K streaming, VR and super fast data transfers. The X10 features the latest 11AC and 11AD network technology, allowing users to wirelessly transfer data at 4.6 gigabits per second. This means your 4K video will take seconds, not minutes, to transfer. The Nighthawk X10 Wi-Fi router is also built to meet the needs of today's connected home. From connected deadbolts, smart lights or Arlo Wi-Fi cameras, the four powered active antennas reduce interference and intelligently direct Wi-Fi across large distances. The Nighthawk X10 is also the first router with a Plex media server built in. Plex organizes all of your video, music and photo collections and gives you instant access to your content using an always-on router. Wirelessly stream 4K video to any device. Jitter-free. 
for the ultimate family movie night. The Netgear Nighthawk X10 Smart Router contains a quad-core processor for unparalleled speed and power to keep up with your fast-paced lifestyle. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Nighthawk X10, the world's fastest Wi-Fi router. Well, next up on the show, we're going to talk about LG, and they were here to unveil the G6 smartphone. Now, they teased this a week and a half ago, talking about the screen on the device. They were saying it's different. It's got, it's got the full vision display. It's got 18 by 9 aspect ratio, quad HD resolution of 2880 by 1440. So we knew coming in, we knew that when we arrived in Barcelona, we were going to see a device that was focusing on the screen. And we weren't disappointed. The LG G6 has a 5.7-inch full vision display that's housed, though, in a 5.3-inch body. So what they're giving you, they're giving customers that big screen experience without having to lug a larger device. So the, the, the device, the front of the product is all screen. The screen virtually goes edge to edge to give that whole, the, the, the body to screen aspect ratio is quite high. To, so the screen being 5.7 inches to fit in the 5.3 inch body, which is a pretty remarkable achievement. It's also the first mobile device to support Dolby Vision and the HDR high dynamic range, HDR10, so you get even wider range of better color and contrast. But back on the usability of this device, the one thing that they, LG wanted to do was provide a big screen, not weigh down the customer, but also give them the ability to still use it comfortably with one hand. Now to do that, they went to, they did some ergonomics research led by teams from the Pennsylvania State University. So what they did is tested the G6 for things like stability, comfort in various postures, uh, and, and even for tested it for muscle fatigue when you were using it for extended periods. So it, it passed all those tests and it was still able to be easily used with one hand thanks to that 18 by 9 shaped screen. So it's slightly narrower and taller so the user can still text and access all the apps with one hand. So it's uh, on the design side, it's got an aluminium and glass body and it's got quite a narrow bezel, as I said. And what they did to help fit that screen into that smaller body was even rearrange internal components. Like they moved the camera module up here and they, they moved other things across just to give that screen even more room to move inside that smaller body. It's also got rounded corners. And what, what LG says is that's a better way to absorb any impact if you happen to drop the phone. It's also waterproof, so you can rest uh, rest easy if you do drop this in some water, into a puddle, into your drink, into the toilet. Uh, it's more common than you think. So the, the, it's got an IP67 rating, IP68 rating, actually, so even better than IP67. LG, uh, the G6, also has a 13-megapixel rear camera, and it's got a dual-lens camera as well. Again, flush with the curved rear panel of the device, and you get a 125-degree wide-angle lens and your other lens, they combine to create some great shots. On the front, you've got a 5 megapixel camera as well and gives you a wider field of view so you can fit even more people into your selfies. You can also shoot uh, 4K video as well. So if you want to shoot some high quality video, it's right there as well. Available in three colors 
Astro Black, Ice Platinum, Mystic White. I love the names they come up with. I reckon there are departments of companies that come up with these really fancy names. They're pretty good. It's also got Google Assistant. This is the second device to have Google Assistant, the first being the Google Pixel. So LG G6 is the second to uh, inherit Google Assistant. And it will be available in the coming months exclusively through Telstra. So keep an eye on that. The LG G6, it's got a big screen in a small body. And if you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenney. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. Well, if you want a real blast from the past, then you're going to love this next segment about Nokia. Nokia was once a mobile giant, massive company. Before the i the days of the iPhone, Nokia was the company. Nearly every phone that was sold was a Nokia. They had a stranglehold on the market. But things changed. The, we saw the iPhone. We saw Android. And the whole market evolved. And unfortunately, Nokia was sort of slid out, of the, out the back door. I know Microsoft bought them and ran Windows 10 on them. And it, it just petered out and, and away. And sadly, this once great company was suddenly nowhere. Well, that all changed this week here in Barcelona when Nokia reintroduced an old favorite as well as some new Android devices. Now, the old favorite, I don't know whether you remember this, it's the 3310. It was probably one of the most popular phones Nokia ever sold. It was sold at around, I think, around 2000, 2001. It was a durable device. Would you could kick it and beat it, and and it would it would just keep powering on and soldiering on. Had a battery that lasted for days, like a week's worth of battery you'd get out of this thing, and it was a super super popular device. Well, Nokia thought, let's bring back one of the classics and reintroduce the thirty three ten, which is exactly what they did here in Barcelona, and they've updated it. Of course, they've revamped it slightly. They've given it a bigger screen. They've given it a color screen, two point four display it's got a curved display so it's easy to read in the sunlight but they've thrown in a headphone jack and they've got a two megapixel camera it's still got a keypad so you've got your number keys at the bottom still got a, a, an array of, of apps at the top so a three by three screen so you can see your apps and scroll through them and it's still got the legendary snake game which uh, a lot of people will no doubt remember, a classic game, but updated for uh, the color screen. So uh, it's going to bring back some some great memories. It's going to be available in four colors, red, yellow, blue, and gray. Also announced here at Mobile World Congress by Nokia are three Android devices, and this is the first time I've ever seen a Nokia device running the Android operating system. Back in the day when Android first started, Nokia still had a pretty heavy investment in their Symbian system. They actually bought Symbian to run on their Nokia devices. And rather than offering, rather than going to Android and using that operating system, Nokia decided to stick with Symbian and it kind of missed the boat. I think there was a few things that Nokia and Google couldn't agree on to run Android and sadly those two, they, they parted ways and Nokia never ever ran Android until now. 
there's three new models. There's the Nokia 3, the Nokia 5, and the Nokia 6, and they're like a good, better, best version of the devices. The Nokia 3 has got a 5-inch display with an 8-megapixel camera, and it's got uh, various colors. It's got black, silver, and, and rose gold. The Nokia 5, you're moving up to a 5.2-inch screen and a 13-megapixel camera. A fingerprint reader also comes into the picture as well for added security on the home button. And it's got a fully laminated and polarized screen, so it's really easy to read in bright sunlight. At the top of the line, you've got the Nokia 6. This has got a 5.5-inch full HD display and a 16-megapixel camera as well. It's also got Dolby Atmos on board, so there's got a smart amplifier and dual speakers, and you can be surrounded in sound when you're listening to Dolby Atmos content. But Nokia is back, and you can read about all of those and see the pictures of the new Nokia Android devices and the return of the 3310. You can check that out at techguide.com.au. Well, it wasn't just smartphone manufacturers that we saw here at the show. Telstra also made an appearance, and they had a couple of important announcements to make regarding their network and their relationship with Ericsson. Now, Ericsson's been a long-time collaborator of, of Telstra's. Ericsson actually built the Next G network. That's That was more than 10 years ago now, which was, at the time, a, a game-changing network, 3G, really fast, great range. And back at the 2007 show, the first Mobile World Congress since the launch of Next G, Telstra's Next G network was the was Ericsson's showcase. Ericsson really used that network as a badge of honor to show all the other operators, look what we could do, look what we built in Australia. And that relationship continues today. Telstra and Ericsson are still hard at work building the 4G network, 4.5G network, and also building towards a towards the 5G network, as I said. And again, that's going to be ready in a couple of years. But what they've done is actually built or starting to deploy an optical network that's going to provide a bit of a backbone to the existing network as they roll towards 5G. Now, how this is going to work, this is really interesting because Telstra recognizes the fact that most of the traffic we're going to see moving forward is going to be video, media. So all this content that people want to stream, uh, stream smoothly and seamlessly. Telstra recognizes this, that they don't want... They don't want it to be just good at carrying something fast over the network. They want to enhance the experience. So it doesn't, they don't want to just run it over the top. They want to ex, ex, enhance the experience for the customer. So what this optical rollout is going to do is going to provide a software-defined network. So you can imagine it's, it's more a, a dynamic network that can actually shift and cope and go where the traffic is and, and, and help, help solve those little, those little kinks in the system. So this, what this will allow for is not only a more efficient network, but it will provide smoother video streaming so you can do things like running, running your, your content, but also doing things like accessing data in the cloud, running it in the cloud, bringing it down to your device, and just making the whole experience better, faster, and more reliable for the customers. The other major announcement, which was really interesting one, is a dedicated Internet of Things enabled mobile network. So what this means is that a network that's going to be compatible with the CAT M1 standard will allow users to to tap into various smart products that run compatible uh, compatible silicon in their devices. So 
what this means is that this will give a, a larger platform for the expected growth of all these smart wearables, smart products, connected medical device, vehicle telematics, healthcare wearables, smart electricity metering, all those sorts of things where companies like Sierra and Bosch and Altair are building silicon that the Cat One Cat M one silicon that's going to probably go into the next generation of these smart products. Well, any of those products, if used on this new network, this IoT network, is going to run smooth as silk, and you'll be able to have really fast and reliable remote access to all that information. They're running a trial at the Pooley Winery in Tasmania, where the Cat M1 was being tested. And what they were doing, they were they were using live telemetry data to look at things like leaf wetness, soil moisture, soil temperature, solar radiation, wind speed and direction. They were getting all that remotely using all these Cat M1 devices through Telstra's Cat M1 Internet of Things network. So they're thinking a little bit outside the box there because the the Internet of Things market, we're talking by 2020, is going to be worth about 120 billion dollars, and that's just here in Australia, and that's just three years away. So we're going to see tremendous growth in these smart devices, smart wearables, smart products for the homes, business, agriculture, and with the NBN coming along as well, uh, this is going to piggyback on top of that as well to give us all that great connectivity to monitor all of the things we need to do and use those smart products remotely on our mobile devices. If you want to read more about that story of Telstra here at Barcelona in mob- at Mobile World Congress, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, like passwords and credit card details, to hackers and identity thieves? Well, Norton Wi-Fi Privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi Privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, that is our show for this week in Barcelona. We'll be back in Australia next week for episode 239. But everything that we've spoken about on the podcast today, you can read about, of course, at techguide.com.au. We'd love you to get in touch with us. We didn't run the help desk this week, but we will have it back on uh, in next week's episode. If you want to get in touch with us, send us a question, uh, info at techguide.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet me at Stephen Fennick, and that's Stephen spelt with a P-H. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're glad that you could join us this week. We look forward to you joining us again next week for episode 239. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.